I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Amen. The author, Michael Lewis, has a passion for assessing risks and a skill for taking insanely complex problems with overwhelming amounts of data and making them clear to the average person. You may have read Liar's Poker or Flash Boys or seen the movies made from his books Moneyball or The Big Short. In each, Lewis unravels a complicated system, usually related to Wall Street investors, complicated security markets, and financial instruments, the kind that few of us understand and those that led to the 2008 economic meltdown. Though in Moneyball, Lewis turned his attention to Major League Baseball and how a nearly broke struggling team, the Oakland A's, used statistical analysis to recruit overlooked players to win as many games as the huge, rich colossus, the New York Yankees. Lewis's last book, The Undoing Project, looked at two psychologists whose work undergirds much of what we understand about behavioral finance. Yes, that's a topic. He explains the risks we take because we don't understand just how much risk we're in. It turns out that though we prize reason and believe that we make decisions based on the best data out there, well, we are not as rational as we think. And that research led to his most recent book, just out in October, The Fifth Risk. In it, Lewis takes a clear-eyed look at our current government, which does better at responding to urgent tasks than it does planning for slow-moving, long-range risks. And of course, we do face some long-range risks that we're not adequately planning for. Threats of nuclear war, climate change, attacks by North Korea, interruptions to the electric grid, but the most dangerous risk might be the one that no one is paying attention to. This is the fifth risk of the title. And that is project management. The boring day-to-day -day need to maintain government departments with mundane names like the Department of Energy the Department of Commerce, the Department of Agriculture. Well, it turns out that they regulate really important things like guarding nuclear waste and keeping our food safe and predicting our weather. And right now, all those departments are terribly understaffed. And yet, they oversee the details of civil society. Still, few of us feel the risk of that as we focus on more urgent, inflammatory events that are also hugely important. Mass shootings, devastating wildfires, midterm elections. But as we focus on the urgent, the catastrophic, we ignore the fifth risk, the boring thing 
that isn't interesting or is too complicated or whose risk we just don't get. We focus on urgent risks, whether any of those I just listed or the latest outrageous tweet or action from Washington, D.C. And in a time of outrage, a time when the urgent takes up all of our bandwidth, dominates our news feeds, well, we can spend all our time either outraged or distracting ourselves from the outrage. And all of us are longing for some clear answers and direction in this much confusing time. In this way, as usual, we are not so different from the communities we meet in Mark's Gospel or the letter to the Hebrews. Both are communities under pressure. Those following Jesus had just watched him put them all at risk by challenging the religious authorities in the temple. Those listening to the Gospel of Mark around 70 CE were living in a time of devastation just after the temple had been destroyed. Those receiving the letter to the Hebrews, they had grown weary in their community of being persecuted. They were losing their faith in their church whose members seemed as flawed and sinful as ever, sound familiar, who faced persecution from the larger society. When facing such trauma, such urgent outrages, is it any wonder that the disciples are distracted by the large stones and large buildings of the temple? Focusing on the huge thing right in front of them. Is it any wonder that when Jesus warns that none of this will last, that the disciples want to know the exact date that this will happen and how they'll know it's coming? Is it any wonder that the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were dwindling, giving up their community, melting back into old ways of being rather than opposing the larger culture? This is our nature. We focus on the most pressing risk, the most urgent issue, and we try to solve it quickly or we try to distract ourselves from it. We pivot from crisis to crisis, whether in our government, our culture, our church, or our personal lives. I know when I hear some of the cataclysmic warnings about my own area of concern, the church, and how rapidly Christian churches are dwindling, how few people under the age of 60 show interest in church, well, it's easy to focus on the large stones, to gaze upon mega churches and wonder at them, to look at hip startup churches and wonder how they do it and how can we do it. Or I can get distracted by the latest gimmick or trend. Should we get a food truck and evangelize while selling tacos? <laughs> Wondering these things satisfy my anxiety to focus on the next thing, the urgent thing, rather than to focus on the long-term thing, the risk that threatens our souls. It's tempting to focus on these short-term things rather than on the basic 
makes the main thing of being faithful followers of Jesus Christ. I can forget the importance of the basic project management of being faithful day in and day out to prayer, of paying attention to the least of these, to every individual created in the image of God, to encouraging our parish and each one of you to be faithful day in and day out to prayer and to caring for one another and for the world and its small, regular, unsexy, not urgent, but truly deep needs. What is the urgent thing? What is the outrageous thing, the in-your-face risk keeping you dangling on a chain or causing you to try to distract yourself from what is not urgent but deeply important. For the disciples, it's the prediction of cataclysm. For those reading the gospel, Mark, it's the destruction of the temple. For the community of Hebrews, it's persecution in a disappointing church community. The response of one disciple is to focus on the large stones and buildings. The response of Peter, James, John, and Andrew was to try to nail down the timeline. The response of the community of Hebrews was to become lazy in worship, to distance themselves from one another and from faithful practice. They responded to the urgent, the right now, just as we so often do. So, how are we, how are you and I, to focus on the fifth risk? The thing that isn't sexy or imminent, but that is essential. Well, you might not be surprised that the thing that isn't sexy doesn't have a sexy answer. Sorry. And both Jesus and the author of the letter to the Hebrews provide the answer. Bad things are going to happen. We don't know why always, but we do know that we will face wars and rumors of wars. We will face tragedy and destruction, whether in our own lives, our own communities, the life of our nation. Those tragedies matter deeply. But Jesus warns his disciples to remain faithful. Beware, no one leads you astray. He cautions them not to be alarmed. And a few verses after this passage, after he warns them that they will be persecuted, Jesus says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. During this time, any time, we are to endure, continuing in the fellowship the breaking of bread, and in the prayers. We are to share good news. We are to care for the sick and the poor. We are to love God. We are to love one another. This is the advice given in the letter of Hebrews 2. During this hard time, even when your church community disappoints you, note it will disappoint you. Remain faithful. 
trust the promises we have from God, gather together in worship, provoke one another to love and good deeds. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. Encourage one another. These are not new shiny things to do. They will not distract us from the urgent. They will not make us forget the outrageous, nor will they prevent the terrible, the tragedy, or the tsunami. But these are the long game. By these patient, regular, faithful behaviors, we prepare for the fifth risk, the long-term, slow risk of falling away, of tending to the daily, but not to our souls of focusing on the kingdom of now instead of the kingdom of God, protecting or distracting ourselves, but not nurturing our community. The disciples are distracted by the temple, by worry, so much so that they seem missed or forgotten the central lesson of the widow's might that comes right before this, the one we heard last week. Jesus called his disciples together then, and he said, this poor widow has put more, in, more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for they have contributed in their abundance. She, out of her poverty, gave everything she had. The Hebrews are so distracted by their daily worries that they have forgotten that they have a great high priest who has cleared away all obstacles, who has promised to be faithful and urges us to be faithful too. But they and we are called to focus not only on the right now, the urgent, but on the long term, lest we miss what really matters, our community, our faith, love and good deeds, God's love for us. We must not be distracted by the now, the grand, the urgent, lest we miss the important, the sacrifice of the widow the sacrifice of the one who, like the widow, put in everything he has for us, his life on the cross. Beloved, there are many risks in life. There are wars and rumors of wars. There are discouragements and disenchantments, but the fifth risk, the one we might miss because we're so distracted, the fifth risk for us is in not tending to the body of Christ right here. It's not tending to our life in Christ, our love of God. It's not noticing God's unfailing love and care for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.